Lovely. Well, today we are talking about joyful service and uh, this is the last uh, sermon in our vision series and I just love the fact that we end on such a lovely note of joyful service and it ties in so well with our day today because many of us will be serving uh, in the community and in other aspects and areas today. Uh, so I just want to start by going through what our vision statement is for joyful service. We seek to bring glory to God and the hope of the gospel through joyful service, the overflow of discipleship. Our service is an expression of love and stewardship of grace, marked by humility, generosity and hospitality, empowered by a passion for God. We will selflessly serve others with Christ-like love, compassion and pastoral care, sacrificially giving of our time, gifts, talents and finance as committed and joyful disciples. When I was putting this message together, this thought just came to me of how closely hope and joy are linked. They are really intricately linked, hope and joy. And and I was thinking, I really wanted to explain today how joy affects our physical body, but also what scripture teaches about joy. And I just had this overwhelming thought, hope and joy are so intricately linked. And one of those those things was like, well, oh, Lord, when I'm preaching, I want to preach from the scripture first. Um, and I don't actually like doing topical sermons because I feel there's a tendency sometimes to go, okay, here are my thoughts, now let's find scripture to back me up, rather than here's what the Bible says and this is what I'm teaching. And I thought, I really don't want to do that today. And then God showed me this verse, Proverbs 10:28. The hope of the righteous brings joy. And I thought, oh, I'm on the right track already. Thank you, Jesus. You must be speaking to me. And so it was a real confirmation. And I'm not sure about you, but whenever have you seen someone who is full of hope yet sad? Maybe at a funeral. It's probably about the only time for a funeral of a Christian friend. But usually... When someone's full of hope, they're full of joy. And so I really wanted to look at how those two things work so closely together. You see, because our joy is found in the Lord and being right with God because we understand the completed work of Christ on the cross and what he did on our behalf that brings us not only great freedom but great joy. The gospel is full of joy. It is the hope of the gospel that brings us joy. They are so closely linked. Look at Romans 12.12 which says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. This is one of those verses that I think it's one to live by. You know, I've seen some other verses used as these life mottos, but really I don't think you get much better than Romans 12. 12. Remember the hope we have in the gospel and be joyful in our hope that rests in the Lord. Be patient in affliction. Yes, our world, this world, will be harsh and cruel at times, but patient endurance is a key. You remember James's words, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And through all of this, be faithful in prayer. Wow, what a verse. You know, I feel like I could just preach 
on these, what are they, 10 words for an hour because there's so much that could be unpacked. But I'm sure a few of us have a few other things going on today, so I won't. And Philippians 4, 4, which I didn't put up there. Okay, there we go. says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Philippians 4, 4. See, we can choose to respond in joy. Philippians says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That's a command. Joy is so often, though, a choice in how we respond to our circumstances. You know, one thing my kids know and that uh, they often reflect on is how often my mum laughs. And she laughs at just about anything, particularly bodily functions. Is She finds them hilarious. I don't know why, but that's okay. That's, that's her. Um, and she'll probably listen to this message on the uh, the podcast. So, hi, mum. But I love that my mum is so close to laughter all the time because she's so full of joy, it can't help but be expressed and overflow. You know, that, that she's full of joy. And the book of Habakkuk is a wonderful exposition about joy. Now, who's read Habakkuk recently? But does it strike you, though, that Habakkuk is a book of exposition of joy? Can you remember what goes on in Habakkuk? Pete, do you reckon it's an exposition of joy? That's exactly right. It is. It really is a book of complaining. But I think it's an exposition of joy. Because Habakkuk starts with Habakkuk complaining to God that he's looking around at the nation of Israel and he's going, what are you doing, God? Why are you letting this debauchery, this ungodlessness, this unfaithfulness, why are you letting that continue and there be no recompense for these disgusting actions of your chosen people? God responds with, that's okay, I see it, and I'm going to bring judgment. And so he explains what his judgment's going to be. The Babylonians, this godless, fearful people, and Habakkuk, well, he just flies into a second big complaint. How on earth could you bring these people to do your righteous work to bring your judgment on us? They are, they are worse than what we are. How can you use them to judge us? You see, the Babylonians were so powerful and just so revered for the wrong reasons um, because they were just such a powerful force. I mean, in those days, if you wanted to protect your city, you'd build a massive big wall. And these would be massive big stone walls, pretty much impenetrable. And so most armies would either try and lay siege and be going on forever and they'd either try and, you know, like stop their water or poison their water, stop their food. But some of these cities were very smartly engineered and designed and self-sufficient. But anyway... The Babylonians, to get around this issue of the wall, what they'd do is they'd just pile up earth and make a ramp. Like That's how numerous people and how much resources they had at their disposal. They'd just start digging somewhere and carry the dirt and build a dirt ramp and get over the wall that way. Like Nothing stopped in the way. That's how powerful the Babylonian army was. Nothing stopped them. Just look at some of the descriptions in Habakkuk of this army and you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, there we go. Very challenging. And so Habakkuk then has this understanding and recognition because God says, look, I also see their sins and their fate will befall them. They will be judged too 
at a time of my choosing. That's what God's saying. And then Habakkuk responds again and he reminds God of God's faithfulness to God's own chosen people in the past and then makes this statement. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Now, if you know your Old Testament covenant, you know that these are all the cursings of the covenant. So the covenant had, you're faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you and bless you. If you're unfaithful to me, I'll be unfaithful to you. Well, really, I'll still be faithful, but anyway, I'm going to curse you. Um, and this is the cursings of the covenant. So if, when you look through the cursings, these are listed word by word, basically. Figs, no blossoms, no fruit on the vine, no olives, no yield from your crops, no flocks, no herds, nothing, right? So Habakkuk saying, though this is going to befall us, Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So Habakkuk saying that even though the nation would experience all the cursings of the covenant, be destroyed and captured, what does he say? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The most important words in this verse, most people would think is, Take joy in the God of my salvation. That would be the main point of this verse, wouldn't it? Take joy in the God of my salvation. I, though, believe that the most important words of these are the the two little ones. I will. I will. I will choose. I will rejoice in the Lord. It is a choice. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I will. I will be joyful in hope. We can choose joy. Even though bad stuff is going to happen to us all and it will, I will rejoice in the Lord. We can always choose joy. Romans 15:13 really sets the tone for this. It says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. See, our joy comes from the Lord. May the God of hope fill us with joy and peace in believing. Right believing is important so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of God's Spirit, we might abound in hope. As I said, I wanted to look at the what does joy bring us from scripture but also what does it do physically for us as God has created our bodies a certain way and so I wanted to look at what the benefits of joy are we've seen some of the the, the ways that the scripture teaches on joy that it's from God he gives it to us we can choose it and it's we choose how we respond and we can choose joy but I want to look at what the, the, the what the science tell us about the benefits of joy, and because really all science is telling us is how God's created us. So God gives insight into how we're created, and I think it's wonderful. First of all, increased joy 
leads to lower blood pressure. So I did a whole bunch of scientific research this week and read all these studies and the conclusions of all these studies and I put them all together for us here today. So um, if anyone loves a, a scientific study, um, then you're weird. Um, just like I am. We're all, we're all family though. You're all welcome. Um, increased joy reduces the risk of heart disease by up to 26%. Increased joy lowers the risk of a stroke. Increased joy boosts our immune system. Increased joy can reduce chronic pain. Increased joy leads to an increase in your lifespan by up to 18%. Heather, you must be really full of joy, right? And if not, start now. You've got an extra 18%. There you go. Increased joy improves our ability to combat stress more effectively and lower stress gives a massive boost to our whole system. I didn't want to go too far down that rabbit hole today. So there's an amazing benefit of joy that God has built into our bodies. And they also, I've read all these different studies about joy at work. And, you know, so I was like, well, how does joy, what are the benefits of joy at work? Well, increased joy leads to better decision making. Increased joy leads to creative problem solving. Increased joy leads to improved productivity. Increased joy leads to better customer satisfaction. An increased joy may even help increase your salary. Isn't that amazing? Because who wants to give a pay rise to the grump? Really? It makes sense, doesn't it? And I, 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 I then was looking at, okay, so these are the effects that all these studies pulled out of what can happen to joy. But I wanted to find out what was the common trait that led to joy. So I did a bit of a deep dive into some of these things to, to pick out the things that I saw carrying through these studies or through them. And what they found was common amongst people who increased their joy, first of all, was gratitude. Gratitude is the best attitude. People that were grateful had more joy. And really, they're just backing up what God's created us to do, what he's revealed in scripture, right? They also said to do more of what you're good at and less of what you're not so good at. That's, that's pretty smart, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's not joyful doing things you don't like is it? So do more of what you're good at and you get that sense of accomplishment because usually what you're good at comes easier to you too. Share your joy with others. You know, I love the fact that we have family sharing time like we had this morning where we can share our joy with others. You know, what God has been doing in our life. One of the really interesting things that there was, this one study was saying was that people who were full of joy it lasted longer if they shared it with others. Now, in Australia though, we have this thing called tall poppy syndrome, right? Which is basically, if you want to tell me the good stuff that's going on in your life, I'm just going to chop you off. You know, I'm going to chop you back down, back down to my level. And so we're all, you know, unhappy together, right? Um, but this study, which was based in the US, was obviously people are not chopped down as much as they are here and people celebrate in other people's joy. How good is that? I think that's wonderful that we can celebrate in other people's joy. It's not them bragging or boasting or anything like that. It's sharing their joy. And we can share in that too. Because one of the offshoots of that was when people shared about their joy with that person, that person got a spike in joy too. We're created for relationship as family. It makes sense, right? That we rejoice together. Another one was taking care of yourself led to increased joy. 
physically, financially and emotionally, making healthy decisions benefits you well with joy. That's, that's a no-brainer. You make good decisions with your physical fitness, with your financial fitness and with your emotional fitness, not just fitness burger in my mouth, but make benefits you well. There are also great benefits of being in nature, in the natural environment that God has created us to live in. Also, acts of kindness towards other people brought joy. A really simple one, which was an interesting study, was to smile more. Just smile more. You know, I've loved coming up here to the northeast because when you're walking anywhere and there's somebody else, you not only get a smile, but you usually get a, G'day, how you doing? Very friendly. Whereas if you do that down in Melbourne, you are a weirdo, right? It's like, don't talk to me. What do you think you're doing? You know, we'll go for a bike ride and, you know, every now and then you might get the, you know, as you're riding along. But usually it's stone silence down in Melbourne. Whereas up here, you go for a bike ride, it's almost like you've got to stop every time because you want to have a conversation with people. We want to have a conversation with you. It's actually really nice. Smiling more brings joy. I think it's a good thing up here. Maybe that's why everyone's more joyful up here. I don't know. Hopefully. And the last one was giving to others. Again, it really makes sense, doesn't it? When you give to others, it actually brings you joy. I talked about that recently. But now there's some science behind it because I even got this quote, right? The mesolimbic dopamine system, the mesolimbic dopamine system linked to addiction, right? Because dopamine is the chemical in our brain that is the reward center that when we do something good, it rewards us and that's the dopamine system. Um, also makes people feel pleasure when they give to others. It's addictive to give to other people because you are the benefit of joy from giving. If you measure hormones and activity in the body and the brain when people are being helpful or cooperating, you can see that pleasure happens. We're hardwired to be generous with others. This is what this study said about how God has created us. And I think it's wonderful because that's what Scripture tells us about what we're supposed to do. God wants the best for us. And I just think it's amazing how God's created us. He's created us to increase joy as we love other people and do good things for them. Talk about joyful service. This is the overflow of discipleship. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, Joy overflows within us as we glory in the God of our salvation. 1 Peter 1, 8-9 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you, don't know, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It is central, right? This Christ that we believe in, he brings us joy. And how joyful was Jesus in the parable of the lost sheep at having left the 99 to go find the one in Luke 15. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. This verse I found truly amazing to think that we can bring joy to heaven by what we do here on earth. We can bring joy to heaven by introducing people to the hope of the gospel. 
Now, I truly hope that you see clearly from these scriptures that what is in our vision statement about joyful service is true. Joyful service is the overflow of discipleship. Because we have the hope of the gospel, we are filled with the joy of the Lord and can do nothing but let it overflow in joyful service of others and bring them hope and joy just like what we have. So our service is an expression of love. That's what our statement says. Philemon verse 7, poor old Philemon, he didn't get long enough to get more than one chapter. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So Paul's writing here to Philemon and he says this that's on the screen. And as we serve others, we do so out of our joy and it brings others joy too. And it brings us happiness and it, it brings happiness to others too. And it practically demonstrates the love of Christ and brings people hope. I mean, how fantastic would it be if someone said to you that your love has brought great joy and has refreshed the hearts of God's people? Imagine if someone wrote a letter and wrote those words to you. Wow, how encouraging would that be? How amazing would that be that to think, you know, nearly 2,000 years later, people are reading those very same words written about someone and then it can help instruct us. Our service is an expression of love. It's also stewardship of grace. So we are called to be good stewards of the resources that God has given to us. One of those resources is grace. Because we are free from the penalty of sin through the person and work of Jesus, through the hope of the gospel, we don't have to do good things to earn God's favour. Isn't that a freeing thing? We do not have to do good things to earn God's favour. Can you imagine how much of our time would be taken up if we did? It would be a never-ending cycle of having to continually do things over and over and over again just to try and maybe earn God's favour. We wouldn't have time to do anything else. But no, we are free from that through the gospel. And it frees us up to do the good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Not for our salvation, but to serve others and bring them joy as an expression of our salvation. You know, it's, it's not actually all about us. It's about bringing glory to God. If we didn't have the grace of the gospel, then our time and our effort would be consumed with trying to earn God's favour. But Christ said, it is finished. I have done it. And so we see that our service is also marked by humility. We are God's humble servants, serving him with a grateful heart for the blessings he has bestowed upon us. We don't serve others so that we can improve our standing. We serve out of love because Christ first loved us. Generosity. We've been blessed abundantly by God. And all we have is from God. And so as we serve God, we do so with the same generosity that he showed us, with the same love that he showed us, with the same generosity that says we got what we didn't deserve. We don't serve others because they deserve it. We serve others with generosity because we're grateful 
that we have been blessed by God despite us not deserving it. And hospitality. You know, when you meet someone who has a gift of hospitality, they just make you feel welcome and at home. Whether it's the warmth of an embrace, the food that fills a hungry belly, or the friendship offered, when hospitality is extended to us, we immediately feel welcome. We feel like we belong. That's how we joyfully serve others, with hospitality. So people feel loved, they feel welcomed, they feel like they belong. Our service is also empowered by a passion for God. When you look at all the benefits that science tells us that we get when we do good things for other people, you might think that serving other people is only popular because of the benefits that it brings us. But in these studies that I read, they contained a warning that if we go too far and work too hard to bring others joy, the opposite can happen for us. That there was almost like this tipping point. But when our service of others is empowered by a passion for God, we have an everlasting source of love and grace to fuel our joy and our joyful service of others can flow freely and abundantly. We will selflessly serve others with Christ-like love, compassion and pastoral care. You know, this is something that we do very well. You know, I regularly hear of people in our congregation going and visiting others who are unwell, visiting people who are struggling with things, providing meals when necessary. And we do a great job of regularly catching up with people socially and caring for each other as friends and as a church family. And it was such a blessing last week while I was in Shebanon. Faye and Neil went along to Joshua's cricket game and they cheered him on from the sidelines. They didn't have to do that. But it brought everyone joy as they cared for my family, like sort of like adopted grandparents. And Neil loves his cricket, you know, and so good on him, enjoying that. And, you know, that brought us joy and that brought them joy. It was a win-win for everyone. And so many times the prompting or call to serve others happens, though, when we, when we really don't feel like it. But we go and do it anyway because that is the embodiment of selflessly serving others with Christ-like love. You know, doing something when you really don't feel like you want to do it, helping someone when, gee, they've been a drain. It's Christ that empowers that for us because Christ, he has compassion on us so we can show compassion to others. So when you're, you hear of someone who needs help, help them. It's pretty that simple. And that'll bring you joy and it'll bring them joy. When you see someone struggling, come alongside them. Pray for them, care for them. Be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Bring them hope through practically caring for and meeting the needs. The last sentence of our joyful service vision statement is this. Sacrificially giving of our time, gifts, talents and finance as committed and joyful disciples. You know God loves the cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9:67. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know what I love about this verse is that it gives us insight into God's economy. God loves a cheerful giver, but he doesn't want our giving to be done from the wrong motivation. God doesn't want us to give with reluctance about letting go of our money or to feel pressured to give like it's our duty or like it'll store up some special place for us because I gave to the church. 
giving is an expression of joy in worship of God. And if we joyfully give bountifully, God sees that. He sees our heart and he responds in kind. What is it that we give? Well, yes, it is our finances, but we joyfully give so much more to God. We give of our time, we give of our gifts, we give of our talents, the skills and passions God has blessed us each with. You know, time is one of the most precious resources that we have. Who here thinks that the last 30 years has gone really quick? 30 years, it's nearly my entire lifetime, but gee, it's gone quick. Time is a precious resource. You know, a few years ago, I took three young lads aside and I asked if they'd like to meet up regularly with me and to pray together, to read the scriptures together and to talk about life together. So, you know, I started off and I took these three young lads out to a movie and then we had tea together and we started talking about life. And these three guys really responded well to having an adult give them time. Every week or two, I can't remember now whether it was weekly or fortnightly, but I'd go and pick them up from school. We'd go out and you know, grab a milkshake or whatever it was and, and just talk about stuff, open the Bible and pray together and, and share life together. You know, those three boys I still have a great affinity for and they in return have one for me because we blessed each other in that. Interesting though, the parents of two of these lads, their response to me was one of such gratitude that I would take the time out of my life to focus my efforts and energies on blessing their kids. You know, and that gratitude response to me, I didn't expect, but they responded in such a way that they so appreciated that somebody else would take the time to disciple their kids. And, and the, the lasting impact, I still receive every now and then just a, a little encouraging note. Thank you so much. A little share of what's going on in the life of their kids and and a little appreciation of how that seed of faith that I sowed when they were teenagers has flourished into a life of faithfulness to God. The impact that was made on their lives was not insignificant. And you know, we all have the ability to do that sort of thing with others. We actually think um, sometimes people might not want, you know, an old older person to to have a chat with me if you're a younger person or vice versa but it's actually not true and we actually have the ability to designate our time in joyful service of others with consistency and regularity even though many of us are busy it just takes dedication and commitment being committed and joyful disciples See, if we place a priority on being available to serve others joyfully and bring them hope practically, then we will find the time and God will bless that time and bless our joyful service of him. We will reap as we sow. You know, we have a few big plans next year um, in in the joyful service space that we want to kick off next year because we see need. We know that we can meet those needs in some practical way and bring hope. You know, many of our people are good in the kitchen and we can always find something extra when the call goes out. Well, we want to begin having a regular emergency frozen meals pantry here so that when people come to us for help, we can immediately meet that need and um, 
you know, particularly even when Logan Fishers isn't open, we can immediately meet that need for, for the community, but also for people in our church family who might be unwell and just need that little little bit of a pick-me-up. You know, seriously, who ever feels like cooking when you're not well? No, if you do, then you are a saint. No one feels like cooking when you're not well. So if you're interested in heading up a hospitality team or being part of that team, then please make yourself known to someone on the leadership team and say, hey, consider me, I'd like to be involved, keep me in the loop. It's one way you can bring hope through joyful service. Another way might be to sign up um, to provide morning teas, which we're probably going to do bi-monthly, so every second month, to the police station. We're going to start there. We're going to start in February and do one morning tea every two months to begin with. So if you can make a slice, a cake, biscuits, savoury snacks or put together a grazing table or anything like that, then, you know, we all know what morning tea is. Then when the time comes, please sign up to help in that area because we just want to bless our local police. They do such a tough job and it's something very simple and practical that we can do to bring them hope. You know, the idea was floated recently about providing home services to people in our church and our community if we're able to. You know, things like mowing lawns or doing some cleaning, taking people to doctor's visit, doing some shopping, you you get the idea. And I think that many of us could easily do something like that once a week or once a month and practically bring hope through joyfully serving others in a practical way. I dare say it may take some time to get a project like that up and running. But again, if you'd like to be involved, then please speak to someone on the leadership team. Another thing that we can do is do regular visitation to the aged care facilities in our area, providing spiritual care and friendship. And also maybe go and sing some hymns and hold regular services and bring hope to those living in our aged care facilities. Uh, Have I told you the story about my nan in the home with dementia and uh, people came into the home to run church service? Well, she was up out of bed for that and she got dressed, which is unusual for her at this point in life. She really hates getting out of a nightie and doesn't want to really get dressed. But yet she went to this church service and was singing along to the hymns all the words. She's got dementia, Alzheimer's. She can't even hold a thought to finish a sentence, yet she could sing these songs. And there's another lady in the home, likewise, who was way down the, further down the path than my nan is even, who is incomprehensible at any other time, sat right beside the piano and sang these hymns, word perfect, pitch perfect, and it was like a moment of just blessing for that family to, to witness something like that. You know, we can, we can bring joy in practical ways like that too. If you want to be involved, make yourself known. You know, I'm really looking forward to Joy Day next year, a day we're going to come together for a special project, which we don't even know what it is yet. How good is that? So keep your eye out for something that you might need fixing, needs building, needs a makeover, needs restoring, something that might be an option for us as we want to bring joy and hope as we joyfully serve our wider community. And of course, don't forget about loaves and fishes. You know, a very practical way to bring hope as we joyfully serve by donating food items that can be distributed to those in need. You know, we've got the special Christmas food drive happening right now. So put a few extra things in your groceries this week and bring them along next week and we'll donate them all along with the things that have already been brought today so they can be distributed in time for Christmas. So we seek to bring glory to God and the hope of the gospel through joyful service. 
the overflow of discipleship. Our service is an expression of love and stewardship of grace marked by humility, generosity and hospitality, empowered by a passion for God. We will selflessly serve others with Christ-like love, compassion and pastoral care, sacrificially giving of our time, gifts, talents and finance as committed and joyful disciples. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful church to be part of? You know, that's our church. That, that, that's us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the abundant joy that we have and the hope that we have in the gospel. Lord, we thank you that we are blessed with more joy as we bless others in joy. We thank you for the way your economy works, Lord, that you indeed bring great blessing to us even when we sometimes least deserve it. Lord, what we do for others, as we reap, we sow. So Lord, I pray that we would go into this week ahead and into the rest of this day even and joyfully serve you by bringing joy to others. May a smile be ever on our face. May happiness be a moment away for all of us and with us always. May your joy empower us through your Holy Spirit, I pray, to serve others with that joy that comes from you. We pray in Jesus. Amen.